Week five in the NFL best ball fantasy football season was chaos. Multiple 50-point games, at least on DraftKings. Huge performances everywhere. A couple of potentially notable injuries. Some bounce-back performances from some underperforming offenses. Lots to cover and recap what's news and what's noise. We're going to get you covered with all that tonight on Monday Night Best Ball here on Spike Week. Let's do it. The comments, Rob. I was just going to bring those up. (laughs) (laughs) The comments are very clearly ready to talk about the Bengals. I think that's a sign of how bad the first four (laughs) weeks were for the Cincinnati Bengals that everyone is like, are the Bengals back? Are the Bengals back? You know, was that real? You know, I I am excited for the Bengals. We talked about last week. We'll we'll just pull no punches. We'll dive right in to to week five and particularly the Bengals. Cause of course I think they're the most notable story. We talked, as I said last week where this was do or die. I mean, this was about as do or die of a game as you can get both from a real life NFL angle and from a, and through the fantasy lens for Cincinnati. Of course, T Higgins was out, but the Bengals needed to show something. They certainly needed to win for their uh, season long, like hopes, you know, playoff hopes and everything. But from a fantasy angle, we needed to see something from Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase in particular. Of course we did see that (laughs) we saw that. And then some from, from Jamar Chase, I, I, I don't want to start the show throwing cold water on a guy who drops 50 in fantasy. And I am, you know, maybe not to your extent, but I am as big of a Jamar Chase fan as, as there is. I, I, I have nothing negative to say about him. Also, the the memes, the tweets, and everything, the posts, the, the interviews from Jamar Chase. I mean, this is what the NFL needs. We need this more than we need more Taylor Swift bullshit from, from the NFL. The Jamar Chase, I'm always fucking open. The Jamar Chase tweeting out 7-11 30 minutes after. The, like, he was in the locker room 100%. He was sitting at his locker, and he, found, he Google searched 7-Eleven on his phone and tweeted out a picture of oh, 7-Eleven. already saved. He had that oh, shit ready. That's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. He definitely was ready for that one. But <clears throat> amazing performance. I, I do think. So two sides of this coin with the Bengals. Like I said, we're diving right into the Bengals because they are the biggest story, in my opinion, uh, of a a big week with lots of stories in week five. But them bouncing back, of course, is huge. Joe Burrow, I'll just start there. I think Joe Burrow looked better in week five and not just in the box score and all of that. I think um, I do a show every Sunday afternoon slash evening on Sirius XM. Uh, radio and that game <clears throat> was still going on when we started our show. And that was kind of some of the things we talked about at the very beginning was like, yeah, the, the, the Bengals are scoring some points and Jamar Chase is going off, but Burroughs moving and Burroughs stepping up in the pocket and Burroughs evading the rush and Burroughs doing some of the things that where we've become accustomed to seeing with Joe Burrow. Like he is not Lamar Jackson, but he's actually a pretty good athlete and a big part of his game is being able to, you know, move around in the pocket. And he just wasn't able to do that before 
he let it rip a few times, including on a long touchdown to Jamar Chase. So I think that actually, in a funny way, despite the fact that Jamar Chase scored 50 fantasy points, it was the biggest story for me. Like, okay, I do think Joe Burrow's starting to get healthier. That being said, the Jamar Chase was incredible, and he is incredible, and I think he showed you why you drafted him second overall or first overall or whatever. The Bengals are not out of the woods yet. <laughs> this was a good matchup and they did what they needed to do. They did not perform that efficiently on offense. Quite frankly, everything outside of throwing the ball to Jamar chase was really bad. <laughs> like Joe Mixon is really bad, like r- real bad. Burrow was fine for fantasy, but not amazing. I think they are really, really going to be interesting to monitor. I don't think you should be worried about Jamar chase. I think neither of us were like super worried about Jamar chase, but I, I'm 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 just most fascinated to see like this point now forward where the first month it was everybody pressed the panic button and then this week everybody has released the panic button and said yep Jamar Chase is the man but I think it the actual answer is like kind of somewhere in between they're better than the first month but they're not this where do they ultimately lie is the tale of the best ball story for the Bengals offense well just to go back to the Joe Burrow thing I was feeling better about him throughout the day. And then he took off for like a nine or 10 yard run somewhere in that wheelhouse. And I'm like, okay, that's what made me feel good. He's com- he's confident enough to take off on that scramble run downfield. I think we're pretty much out of the woods with, with that calf injury in terms of production. Still probably some monitoring from their side of things. In terms of the Bengals, Everything you just said is true. The other thing that concerned me when I was watching that game for the Bengals is that offensive line. It just failed. Still bad. Still bad. It's just still so, so, so bad. And that is going to be the crux of the team, I think, if we're if we're not seeing production going forward. I mean, it's going on in the comments right now. People are arguing back and forth over, you know, are they good? We kind of baited them with the headline. With the <laughs> Bengals back headline. Yeah, they played the Cardinals. Cardinals suck. I mean, we know the Cardinals suck. They're more fun than we thought they were going to be, but they're right. not a football team. They're they're better. They're a better suck than we thought that they were. But it's not amazing, right? They're not the Giants, <laughs> right? You know, they're they're not that bad. But they can push back a little bit. They're going to punch, right? It, it's not going to yep. be a first round, you know, knockout. But they're not amazing, you know. Um, to, so so to that point. So I. Th- but I think they're going to be fine is the point I was making. I, I think yeah. just because it's the Cardinals, I think we should read into this a little bit. I think the okay. the main point to read into is Joe Burrow looks more healthy. Because two, three weeks ago, if he was playing Arizona the way that he was playing and the way he was moving, that's a different game yesterday. They probably yeah. do lose or they eke it out a little bit or it becomes a little bit more difficult to eke out that victory. I think the main takeaway is he does look healthier. We know that the Bengals are going to have issues all year, but production wise, I think there's going to be more good weeks than bad, but I think there are still going to be some mixed in bad, bad weeks because of that offensive line. Like in two weeks when they play the San Francisco 49ers is probably not going to (laughs) be great. And then in three weeks they play the Buffalo bills. All uh, that being said, they've, they've suffered quite a few injuries. On defense, but I do think the Bengals have gone from like every week lock and load. You know, you're going to get good games from their offense to it's going to be a little bit up and down. And that's not just 
the offensive line. It's it's not just one thing. It's not just Joe Burrow's injury. It's not just the offensive line. It is some natural attrition on their offense, right? I mean, Samaj P. Ryan is obviously not a superstar, but Joe Mixon is terrible. Like he he's he's yeah. objectively the worst starting running back in the entire NFL. Like I haven't I haven't like ranked them or anything, but he he's certainly towards the bottom. From an efficiency say, standpoint, he's he's one horrible. of the worst. Yeah. He he he's terrible. There's not like that doesn't mean I'm not trying to say if you drafted him and like, don't we don't have to get triggered. If you drafted him in best ball, I don't think he was necessarily a bad pick. He did get steamed way too much for my liking, uh, which kind of saved me. But I Same. think that um, Tyler Boyd looks really dusty to me. I watched that game pretty intently um, in the afternoon. He looked good on I the touchdown that got called back though. So like, I'm kind of in between on Boyd a little bit. That play, he looked good. There was an offensive holding call. He gets there yep. yesterday if that doesn't get overturned. Um, so I don't think he's great. I think Tyler Boyd is who we thought Tyler Boyd was, though, where he's just going to – I don't think you're going to get a 30-point game out of Tyler Boyd ever again if we ever even got one. But in terms of where you drafted him, I still think you're going to get usable weeks out of him. And I think I, I think the problem for me with Boyd is this was the ceiling scenario. You know, maybe Chase being out is the, the actual ceiling scenario, but good matchup, missing one of your top two guys. Trenton Irwin is the wide receiver three. You still can't run the ball with Joe Mixon. You score almost 40 points or whatever, 34, 34 points. And He's like, I know, like you said, even with the touchdown, it wasn't like, oh, baby, what a big Tyler Boyd week. You know, it was like it, it, it reminds me of Curtis Samuel, right? Curtis Samuel scored 18 fantasy points on Thursday night. You're happy because that's a good game for Curtis Samuel. <laughs> yeah. You're not happy because that's an explosion game. And so it's not it's not a great indicator of of things to come. I do just want to hit on Mixon just really, really quickly. Mm. I think Updog mentioned it. He had the highest expected fantasy points on the entire week for all running backs. Now, expected fantasy points is a little bit of a fluky metric because every uh, goal line rush is worth a ton of expected fantasy points because you're expected to convert one yard rushes uh, for touchdowns, right? It's expected to be a 6.1, not quite 6.1 points, but pretty close. And every time you get stuffed, that's negative. That's a huge, huge negative. That being said, he got stuffed over and over and over at the goal line. And that is a little bit of their offensive line, but it is also quite a bit of Joe Mixon. And I do wonder, I hold some Travion Williams and Chase Brown bags. And so, uh, you know, that's maybe seeping into my brain, but to, to kind of wrap the Bengals stuff, I do wonder if the Bengals get wise eventually to the fact that like, it can't get worse. It, it like we overuse that phrase, but it cannot get worse than Joe Mixon. At what point do we see some Chase Brown, some Travion Williams, some Chris Evans, some Fournette, fuck something, please God, like anything else, because they need some juice. And I'm not saying those guys provide it, but we know Mixon doesn't. Well, I would assume that they're going to keep Mixon in there for now based on protection for Joe Burrow more than anything. Like they're He's just a bad pass protector too. I know that's why P Ryan played with him. <laughs> but they're but it's more like an oh shit, like 
we know Joe Mixon knows the offense. Right. Chase Brown isn't the answer for that either. Right. Right. Yeah. right. So I think it's just more uh this is our best case to keep him as healthy as possible. And when they're fully ready to like denote that he is healthy, maybe that's when we start to see these guys work in a little bit more. Or to the point hacker made in chat, they go out and sign a Leonard Fournette or something like that to try to kickstart this offense a little bit. Or they do the smart thing, and we can use this as a transition to the other game. The Giants need to trade Saquon Barkley. They have to, right? Like because of this, this season is done. They're toast. Like, like we've just talked about how the Arizona Cardinals are bad. The Giants are awful. They are really, really bad. Horrible. And they should have lost by 130 points. <laughs> yesterday and they didn't somehow like that was a that's a that's a morale win for them (laughs) but they they need to trade Saquon because what are we doing what are we doing otherwise you signed him to this to the franchise tag you can't sign him long term you have to rebuild this squad this Daniel Jones signing is gonna (laughs) it's gonna get everybody fired shout out to Daniel Jones by the way for getting the bag before (laughs) before this atrocity of a season I mean, he's bad and the team's bad, right? So, like, when he does have time, he looks like absolute garbage, which is not often because usually by the time he snaps the ball, someone's coming off that edge and he's getting blasted. This dude's getting blasted from, like, the backside way more than I've ever seen any quarterback get hit, it feels like, in an offense, right? Like, he's like, as soon as he catches, like, a a shotgun snap or he drops back one step, he's just taking, like, and that's why he's out. They couldn't protect this guy yeah. for anything. Yeah, and now he's hurt. Yeah, and now he's yeah. hurt. This team, this team's done. They're dusted. I'm not saying Dayball's not the answer, but what they're doing with this roster is not the answer. So it needs to change. And I think if we drafted, luckily we weren't drafting Giants high other than Saquon, really. Even Daniel Jones was still mid mid rounds. Yeah, 10th round or something. So, I mean, that's great for us in turn. Well, I guess Waller did get steamed, right? He, oh, he did yeah, become, yeah. yeah. And I and I wasn't I wasn't buying it. I was not buying that Waller shit. I was like, he felt he was the epitome of the guy that signed a contract and just stopped trying, in my opinion. <laughs> and that's why they shipped his ass. If you weren't good enough to stay on the Las Vegas Raiders, <laughs> they didn't want you. That's I mean, how many red flags do we need to hold? That is that is Pennywise the clown standing with a bouquet of red balloons that are all just red flags, right? Like if you're getting traded from the from the Raiders, you're like, nah, he's not trying hard enough. They are the epitome of a franchise that doesn't try. So I wasn't buying the Waller stuff, thank God, because I got nervous. Everyone got me real worried about this Darren Waller thing towards the end, not having Darren Waller. And uh it's just done there, man. And on the flip side, dolphins are just the dolphins. Right. Yeah, it, the Dolphins. Uh, I listened to uh, "Stealing Bananas" with Sean Seagull and and Ben Gretsch while I walked the dogs literally right before this show, and I haven't finished their their whole episode. But uh, uh, Sean said <laughs> Sean said something that I thought was uh, in typical Sean Seagull fashion, witty and funny, but kind of like slides under the radar. That was like the Dolphins um, should have scored seventy again, but they were they felt the need to force the ball to Jalen Waddle 10 times. It was like, it was like they could have just, you know, ran the ball with a chain or thrown it to Tyreek. But you know, Waddle was the squeaky wheel. He's the one guy who hasn't like, he's the star. He's, he's awesome. I'm not trying to slight 
Jalen Waddle and I have tons of Jalen Waddle, but uh, the, the Dolphins only scored what 31 or whatever. Yeah. 31. And it was like, it felt like, like every play was about to rip off for a big one, except when they threw the ball to J- J- to Jalen Waddle, uh, who had 10 targets on, on the game. The other thing about the Dolphins that I think is funny is Raheem Mostert averaged just, a, you know, just a whole hum six and a half yards per carry. And yeah. he looks like a bum on that, on that. Compared offense. to that team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are like, it is, and this is not hyperbole and I am a, the, the king of hyperbole, but they are a video game offense. Literally the top 10 fastest recorded sprint speeds in the entire NFL by next gen next gen stats are all dolphins and they keep topping each other. It's a fucking competition on the team between Tyreek and a chain. Most are in the top 10, but he can't, he, he's not, he's not fast enough to match. It's basically Tyreek and a chain a chain. Sorry. Matching each other each week to see who can run the fastest sprint speed and Tyreek broke it this week with like 22 miles, something miles per hour with football pads on. And I believe that was also when he, uh, he got an IV and had to take his shoes and socks off and didn't put his socks back on because they, they, they got the ball back. So this dude recorded the fastest sprint speed in a game. I believe in the history of the NFL, certainly this year after just getting an IV and without socks <laughs> underneath his cleats, like the Dolphins are just—they're a meme, dude. They are a Madden offense, and the, like the, their issue, of course. When we get later, we'll, we'll talk playoff best ball ton and uh, a ton and all that kind of stuff. Their issue is, of course, the defense that is a big problem for them as a, as a team. But the offense is. Well, is and it- I'm, I'm, let's caveat Tua a little bit because both of his interceptions yesterday were really bad throws like I do really th- really bad throws he, he i mean he is not patrick mahomes so like i i think we need to get that out of the way as well like he is he he's he's like souped up brock purdy to me um he fits this offense like he's left-handed uh a minority brock purdy like he is so accurate he makes really good decisions most of the time he gets the ball out fast and he knows his role. He's the point guard, right? He's John Stockton. He's mm-hmm. like, I, he's, he's Mark Jackson. Like, I, dude, my, my, my job is to pass the ball to Reggie Miller and watch him shoot a three, right? My job is yeah. to get the ball to Kobe and MJ and, and that, and like, get it out. Don't take hits, like all that kind of stuff. I, I actually really like to uh, probably relative to market, but it's not because like Mahomes wins the games like by himself. Yeah. Uh, Tua wins Tua wins the games like just knowing his role. You know just what I mean? And, the I, field. and I think he struggled with that last year, right? He took all those hits. He was scrambling, getting smoked in the head, like all that kind of stuff, holding the ball too long. I think this offseason and, and last season suffering what he did really helped him and like certainly helped his NFL longevity because he realized, like, buddy, stop taking these hits to the head but i think that he um has grown a lot as like a a, he understands his role in this mcdaniel offense now kind of like i said like that's what purdy is like we hype purdy to no end but purdy purdy is just john stockton dude i got cmc and iuke and Debo and kittle like just get it out get it to those guys like i don't gotta i don't gotta solve world hunger i just gotta give it to the guys who can do it. And I think Tua has figured that out as well. So I, I'm still excited for him and, and the Dolphins, their defense is, is a disaster, but the giants in, in it, the giants are 
like you said, it's over. It's a miracle they have the one win. They they probably yeah, wish they, they lost. Even have that. They 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 were down what twenty eight at halftime or something like that to the Cardinals in that game. It's bad. Though the I agree with you. Um, I I think Waller was actually probably a little under uh, drafted in terms of his ADP at the very beginning of the summer, but then everybody got hip to that like really really fast, and the upside just got zapped out of his price so quick, particularly on DraftKings and drafters, I believe. And I didn't, sometimes you get lucky, right? I'm not lucky on some of the guys that took a stand on. I'm lucky. I am pretty lucky, honestly, on some fades. We mentioned Mixon and Darren Waller who got steamed up and I just didn't really get any of, and and it wasn't, it wasn't because I didn't see the ceiling. It was just because they got steamed so quickly. And the giants are a mess. I am still hopeful for like the super duper late round guys. Uh, You know, like the, if you if you happen to to uh, correlate week 17 you know with your rams the rams are definitely going to be high advance rate players in kyron puka 2-2 whatever uh, cup might get there eventually if you you know have wandale or hyatt or whatever i still would be hopeful for that but it's like strictly a week 17 thing it's not a it's not a uh, a season-long thing the giants look like a mess was there anybody else moving away from those two that like really jumped out this week that was was something that you wanted to uh, uh, dive into. Real quick, I just want to hit one more thing on Miami. Uh, Mike McDaniel has become my favorite head coach in the league. His, his inter- post-game his, his yeah. post interview? So when he was asked um, about having more yards than any team in NFL history through five games, his quote was, mission accomplished. Our whole goal this entire offseason was statistical output through five games. And I don't know why, but that quote, had me fucking rolling last night. <laughs> so That's so good. <laughs> it's just so, so good. A um, little concerned about the A-chan injury. He did come back. Oh, yes. So we got to monitor what's going on there. Jeff Wilson can be activated from IR in the next 21 days, I believe. He, he did not. He still did not practice last. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm an idiot and I should have remembered that. But A-chan is the MVP of fantasy so far this year particularly best ball like it's not even particularly close and we have no idea right we're recording this on a monday nobody has news or whatever but one thing i will say like you said i love mcdaniel he's he is amazing he's probably the best nfl head coach from an entertain i mean obviously an entertainment perspective calling plays and and stuff but his interviews and everything are just absolutely incredible but i believe um they asked him today about the the HN injury. And he said something about like, I don't want to speculate on what his injury was. And I wanted to say like that you're his coach. You are the person who is supposed to you're like, he got an MRI, right? Like he, he talked to your trainers and your trainers talked to you, I would assume. So like, you're the person, like you're the person that's supposed to, supposed to speculate. You know what I mean? Like, uh, who is going to speculate? Is he going to get in? Inter- is AJ going to come up here and get interviewed? How else are we supposed to find out about this? So it's really, really murky still. We have no idea if it's, it could be nothing. Like his, his injury could literally be nothing. And he got pulled in the fourth quarter because they were up a bunch and the game was over or it could be serious, right? If you go search the Twitter docs, it was, it was anywhere from nothing to like, Oh man, is he going to have to go on IR? Which means like, we don't fucking know anything basically. And so, um, that's the biggest news to monitor this week, like by far, because if you go look at all the top teams and, you know, on drafters, 
in in regular season best ball BBM, the winning team in your you know in your your twelve team league or whatever, it probably has Ajan because he has just been that good for his cost. And so if he does miss time, even two weeks or something like that, it is huge, especially with the bye weeks getting here, which like we talked about last week things get crazy once the bye weeks start. I didn't expect it to get as crazy as week five, but things are about to get crazy. If we take away basically the MVP, right? Like think about if we took away Josh Jacobs last year, like for a, a month in the middle of his big stretch run, like how much things would have changed. That's what HN is right now. And so um, just, you know, we don't have that yet. Maybe we'll have it tomorrow for our show, but uh, huge, like, like, industry shattering uh, injury news with uh HN if there's anything that's very serious with him all right do we want to keep going with injuries there's a few games i definitely want to hit on but let's hit on that chiefs vikings game because since we're talking about injuries there was two big ones in this particular game travis kelsey looks like he probably has a high ankle sprain which is not great. They said low. They said low. Oh, I saw high. So if it's low, then that's better. I was seeing, I was seeing high earlier today. So I still, he's not playing Thursday is what I would assume. Like, I don't know how you play him Thursday against Denver. That's a good question. Right. Like, so that's going to be interesting. And the other side of the ball, the Jefferson injury, it's a hamstring. Not great. Really bad for that for everyone because we see in the comments um, with the with the Jefferson injury. Does that mean Addison to the moon? And I don't think so because I think there is a there's players that are really important to their offense, but Jefferson provides so much for that that offense. I think it's gonna make that entire team offensively like crumble a lot like i I just don't Mm -hmm. see i don't see them being able to do what they normally do now i think addison gets more opportunity and all that for sure but that that team is that team is going to be in big trouble if jefferson's not out there yeah i mean you can't remove justin jefferson yeah it's just like it's like look at the bengals like if you if you removed i'm not saying t higgins is better than addison right uh or hawkinson i guess as the the secondary option but like if you remove jamar chase from the bengals like it's it's bad like they they, they would not have beat the cardinals <laughs> this week if if chase was out and t was healthy the vikings it's it's that and then some because they don't have a t higgins addison is fine he's a rookie who has not commanded targets really to a, a special level hawkinson is a tight end who is a good player but it's not gonna you cannot sustain uh an elite level offense with those two as your focal points i believe it was brandon powell that led uh, them in targets after <laughs> justin jefferson went down jalen rager was getting to play i mean think about that like uh and nobody wanted jalen rager and he has not done anything in the nfl so <sighs> i'm hoping it's nothing hamstrings can be the same thing as the HN thing. Like hamstrings can be nothing. He might practice uh, Wednesday or something. I would be stunned if he practiced practice Wednesday, but you get the point. Like he, he could return to practice this week and it's not a big deal. Just a little tweak. Right. Or this could be devastating. This could linger. It could be a multi-week injury. It could be a one week injury, but he comes back. Right. Remember cup cups injury was a hamstring and he, uh, Reaggravated it during camp, right? Like, like well, I'm not trying. 
have you have you read into the cup stuff it's it goes a little bit deeper than that i have not okay so the cup thing wasn't just a hamstring they think that he might have had this he might have the same thing that and shout out to rich rebar because i heard him talking about this there's concerns that he has the same injury that rock what's his name rocky baldelli from the mlb oh yeah had there's the, a that's um, a name that's a name i haven't heard that i'm pretty sure i drafted the, him uh the year he was totally turned went from all-star to stone dust in a fantasy baseball league yeah and he had this like uh muscle fatigue deficiency thing and there's concern that that's what cup has we haven't confirmed that or anything but dude he wasn't flying to a specialist in minnesota just for you know a hamstring injury or something like right. that. there's something else that they're more concerned about so i'm just pointing that out because the cooper cup thing he looked phenomenal yesterday we'll get mm-hmm. into it but i don't know if we're fully out of the woods with him for the rest of his career and you might see him retire earlier than you would expect him to retire and i know he's <laughs> older He's also almost thirty, yeah. So yeah. he 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 is older. I think people we get it gets lost because he was he was an old prospect. He was like twenty four as a rookie or something like that, and then he was kind of a late breakout too. So like we we he seems like he's like twenty six or something, but he's he's not. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's definitely something to keep in mind. But just in terms of JJ, it's it's like I said, it's just kind of similar to the agent. We got to wait and see. But these are scary things. To have happened. I'm not trying to incite fear or anything, right? With HN and, and Jefferson, they've been clearly incredible both so far this year. Jefferson living up to the 101 and HN living up to kind of at all the prospect type. But it could, like, we're, it's possible with the, if those two are actually hurt and miss time, even if it's a couple weeks, the shakeup in the best ball landscape is going to be crazy. Like, like, that's the thing we don't think about enough uh, during the off season and all of that is this chaos that happens during the course of the season, right? Because the best players who score the most points generally don't get hurt, but that doesn't mean that's the best and most impactful players or the players that uh, are scoring the most points per game, right? Mm-hmm. Like HN is probably going to score the most points per game. I guess CMC like is going to score the most points per game or Eckler really, I guess, you know, like there's guys who are so impactful, but especially the later round picks like HN, where it's like, yeah, but what if he misses the next month? Like we will look back and be like, oh, he was a good pick, but you know, uh, you know, he wasn't amazing. And it was like, no, he was fucking amazing. He was the still the like he was still the best pick, right? Like Brees Hall last year might have still been the best pick in fantasy. It's just it didn't work. And this just this week just reminded me of that with a bunch of guys kind of getting dinged up that were that have been superstars like absolute superstars well if you had said at the beginning of the year you're gonna get devon a chain i'm not gonna tell you how many weeks but he's gonna put 100 points into your lineup throughout <laughs> the year you would have been like cool 12th round pick 11th round and pick, he's gonna whatever. be inactive in week one <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Was it you? laughs> You would have said, sign me up, because you're thinking that's probably over the course of seven or eight weeks. He hit my lineup. And then when I told, if I told you he's going to get you 100 in only three weeks, you would still be like, well, yeah, I'm definitely taking him, because what if that's the playoff weeks, right? Like, it, it's he's just been he's been phenomenal. Like you said, it's going to be a shakeup. He's probably dragging some teams that drafted like Nick Chubb or yep. J.K. Dobbins or a lot of the guys, to be honest. Early, the early that are just either hurt or not paying off and 
you know, if he's not playing, it's going to be time to, as you said, see what you actually have. And it's sad, but it is what it is with the A-chain stuff. And going back to the game we were talking about, the Chiefs-Vikings game, Mahomes just refuses to hit MVS and stride. He just will never do it. It will never happen in our career, in their career. He had him wide open in the end zone again yesterday. Uh, Underthrows him, gets the PI. But it just, yeah. I was sitting there losing my mind. I'm like, he had the man beat by five or six yards. He got the PI because he had to come back to the ball. It's like, why is this the only Correct. guy you can't hit? <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's just so unbelievable. We were, it's funny you say that. We were, I, I was on Sirius at the time and we have a, a chat uh, with the producers because we're, we're hopping in and out of um, live look-ins to games. We were live looking on the Chiefs, on the Chiefs game. And I'm just, you know, you can't, I can't curse. I, there's, you know, I have to be a, uh, a good citizen and stuff on, on the radio. And I'm just t- like the, we're all sweating our fantasy teams and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just in the chat. Like the, the, one of the producers is rooting for KJ Osborne and tilting his face off. And I, like when I saw, I was, I lost it. I was just like, how this is a fucking, like at, at, at this point, this is a joke. Like Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes is the best quarterback, maybe of all time. Hall of Famer, the best quarterback in the NFL, and MVS is is a meme. He's a he. I understand he's not very good. He does one thing well. He's going to get open two times a game <laughs> yeah. down the field, and this fucker literally never, ever, ever throws a good pass, and it's always underthrown. Always. Overthrown, overthrown is not good. Underthrown is better than overthrown, but it, the underthrown part is so frustrating. <laughs> as a viewer to watch because it turns into pi and that makes you feel worse like i I was so frustrated mvs should have like three 70 yard touchdowns this season and that's easy to say right lots of guys should have touchdowns or shouldn't have touchdowns or whatever but you know rushy rice uh looks good i'll try to be positive about it uh but i again though yeah it's so weird He's good though. I, I think the Chiefs are the trickiest egg to crack in terms of that because it's not always just about are you the best? Uh, you know, are you the best player? Are you the most impactful player? Right. Justin Watson <laughs> played tons of snaps last year, even though he wasn't doing shit. MVS is a little bit similar. But I I I I would say Rushy Rice is the guy I feel the most confident in the Chiefs since Tyreek Hill that is going to be useful for fantasy and you want him on your teams. Does that mean he's going to turn into a star? No, I have no idea. He could keep playing, you know, 30, 40% of snaps, but if you keep producing and you keep producing with Patrick Mahomes, when sky Moore sucks and MVS is a one trick pony and Justin Watson is also a one. It, it's the thing. MVS gets all the flack. Justin Watson and MVS are the same fucking guy on the outside. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're both going to get open once for a 60 yard play every game. They don't do anything else. And so that's why rice, that's why my home throws Watson. Perfect balls. Every time he Threw catches him a perfect every... ball again yesterday, Watson always catches the long one. And MVS always gets PI on the long <laughs> one every single fucking time, every time. But anyway, rushy rice, I feel really confident is their most talented wide receiver. And will that shake out? I don't know, but I would want him on my teams is the yeah. long, the long way to put it. Yeah, I think that's kind of all we have to hit with the Chiefs, and we'll see what happens with 
most I assume no Kelsey Thursday night and a spot that we'd rather them be on the main slate against the Denver Broncos who were terrible. Uh, Brees Hall. We saw it yesterday. We saw the no restriction. We saw 70%, I believe, somewhere right around 70% of the workload. And Brees Hall is one of the reasons I made money yesterday. I bet I ran a four-thing four parlay, or round robin, sorry. I ran it as a four-pick four parlay as well with Brees Hall over 100 yards, David Montgomery over 100 yards, Ooh. Devon A-Chain over 100 yards, and I went Bijan over 100 yards and missed that one. But the round robin with the two picks still, I cleaned up because of that. And God, Brees Hall just, he's Brees Hall. He does what he does. The ACL's got to be fine now. He's seems, seems fine. Seems, seems fine. fine. But, but it's perfect. It's, this is the perfect game for that to happen in terms of like a talking point because. I never thought Javante Williams looked right this season. No. I was fading him because his looked worse. And I think this shows us for now because it, it's advancing every year. But maybe this is how we try to uh, evaluate these ACL injuries is by basically there's the better case, which was Brees Hall, which was just the ACL. And there's the worst case, which was Javante Williams. And maybe that's the evaluation point for now going forward between the two types of injuries, even though they're both ACL injuries, right? So, yeah, I, it's I don't definitely, know. Brees Hall, it's good. It's, def- it's definitely possible um, that uh, – and maybe we'll get some <clears> – <throat> I have to hit up uh, – oh, my gosh, I'm forgetting his name, but had him on a, a show uh, last summer. Uh, he works for the fantasy footballers, Betts? but he he's a uh, bet. Yes, yes, Matt Matt Betts, right? I believe yeah, Matt I so. uh, Matthew. Uh, really sharp, really really sharp sharp guy. Uh, have to bring him back and see if we can deep dive into some of the knee stuff, Achilles stuff, and all that, and see kind of what has changed or whatever. Because I I totally agree. I mean, <laughs> these a these guys are coming back from ACLs faster than right. Like that's another thing um, with prospects at talked about this a little bit in the, in the discord, which of course there's a link to in the, in the description, but talked about um, how just like think shit changes, right? Like we can't hold on to our priors forever about how we analyze the game of football. Look at some of the guys who are popping up this year. Uh, Tank Dell, five, eight, 175 pounds, Josh Downs. Same thing, right? 2-2, getting yep. to play every snap for the Rams. Kyron Williams ran a fucking 4-8-40 or whatever at the, at the combine. Like, and it, and, it's, and he's small. Um, I mean, Tyreek is 5'8". Uh, he's, he's, he's stocky. But still, the A-chain is like a 185-pound running back or something like that is like unheard of. Right? Like, that's not a thing. He got, he got knocked for that. He got knocked for that not just by us as fantasy football bros, but by the NFL, right? He's clearly an awesome NFL running back, an awesome NFL offensive player, but things have changed. The, the game of football has changed. Now, A-Chan in particular is in the perfect situation. And so, you know, if A-Chan was on the Giants, we, would, <laughs> we wouldn't be having this kind of conversation like we are with him doing what he's doing on the Dolphins. But shit has changed in the NFL. You don't, you don't have to be... Calvin Johnson to be 
you know, a great offensive player and a great fantasy asset on the flip side with the injury thing is like, that shit has changed. AC dude, yeah. ACLs, ACL, ACL, ACL used to be like career ending. Yeah. It was done. like, you, you, you may never come back from in your career with an ACL injury, but like, it has changed. Science has changed. You know, science, it, it, it has changed. These guys are coming back in six months. Cam Akers. The Achilles um, was a killer too. Car- the Achilles, Achilles was more so. You were easy done. career. Easy yeah. career. Two years for sure. Career probably. Cam Akers came back in six months. Now he looked like shit. But like he, to come back from an Achilles tear and play in NFL football games and get the ball 20 times or whatever is unbelievable. That's like impossible to fathom for me as a guy who like I'm my back is going to crack and my ankle is going to crack when I get out of this chair after the show is over like it's it's unbelievable that thing so we have to adjust our priors and I think that's definitely another lesson as you said that I think we treated Brees and Javante the same and they were very much not the same now like I said we'll talk to I'll talk to Matt I we, we I'm writing that down and to see like specifically what is the difference on those kinds of things but we're going, we as fantasy football people are clearly not industry experts or industry injury experts. So we treat all the injuries the same, right? Oh, you, you had a concussion history, right? So people were scared of Tua. You blew out your knee. So we treat you the same as everyone who blew out their knee. You know what I mean? You are a 5'8", 180 pound wide receiver. We treat you the same as every 5'8", 180 pound wide receiver. But we can't do that. Like those are the thing. those are the things that I think like there's not a lot of lessons always through five weeks. Those actually are some of the biggest ones. And so I'm glad you brought up the like Javante versus Brees one. Cause it's actually like a, a huge, huge, huge macro thing that we can learn from just five weeks. Yeah. I think it's something that we're going to be able to take advantage of for a year or two before everyone catches on. Right. We find these things. We still see advantages. I, you want to know what shocked me the most? I don't, I'm not, I promise I'm not going to go back to this game, but just to show you that there's always going to be slight edges here and there. I played the afternoon only slate in DFS yesterday, and I put Jamar Chase in the afternoon only slate, assuming he was pretty much a lock button for everybody. In the single entry that I put him in, I think it was the fifty or hundred dollar. He was only forty percent owned in that tournament, and I was I closed, like, I closed my fucking laptop immediately. I played the afternoon because I, I, my teams were okay, but I wasn't going to win everything, so I was like, I'll play the afternoon. Uh, I was like, I'm going to fade Chase because I think he's going to be like 75%. I had him on one good team in the early or the main slate. I'm going to fade Chase because I think he's going to be like 70, 75, 80%. Or, he, it just seems too obvious on a four-game slate or whatever. Yeah. And like you said, same thing. Open it up. I'm like, oh, God, what did I just do? <laughs> what, what did I just do not not playing him? So to that point, yeah, I, I had the same thought yesterday. But the the point that I made, yeah, it was crazy. I was just like shocked. I still didn't win because I, I sucked. <laughs> I made a lot of money elsewhere. But we, I played, we, I played Josh Dobbs, so I'm right there with you. It's okay. There, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, the point is, there's still going to be edges, and it's like finding the edges that we can, whether it's best ball, DFS. But for us, specifically best ball, for me, I. I went and listened to some doctors over the breeze and the Javante thing. Cause I honestly was worried about both of them because I still had that prior in my head of ACLs just being so bad at the beginning of the summer. I did. I, I can admit that. And after listening to two doctors, I believe that were on with John Daigle and they were like, 
essentially like, yeah, you don't, we're not saying to 100% don't worry about Brees Hall, but he's probably fine. He's probably going to be fine. And if he's not fine, he'll be fine by the beginning of October. And then they were way more concerned about the Javante one. Like just based on everything that that happened with him, they think it was going to take longer for him to get back to what he normally was. And that might be one of those things where he plays this year, but doesn't actually look like himself to the following year. That one interview changed. That was Gallup. That that, that feels like Michael Gallup to me, who did not look like himself last year. I know he, he, he sucked last night, but he has looked really good actually, despite limited production so far this year. Same thing where I'm like, it was that extra nine months or whatever, like made all the difference for Michael Gallup. But that that interview alone with people that know more than me that are in this field of work, not letting my priors get in the way and being more open minded to it allowed me to get on. I'm overweight on Brees. I don't know what my exact number is off the top of my head, but I still didn't draft Javante and it feels really good. It's not a victory lap. It's it's more about when you get new information finding out how to process that information properly and what the source is of that information too. When I have two doctors that are agreeing on this is the potential path and they never said it was a hundred percent path, by the way, they said there's still shit that can happen to either of these guys. Yeah, I mean, we don't through. know, like that's the thing we're working with incomplete information, right? Like we're not in the fucking training room where we also aren't Javante Williams. I can right. feel my body. I can't feel like, Right. I can't feel how he feels. So we're working with incomplete information, but we have to use all that information to our advantage, which is exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So, I mean, make sure that as you're going forward, as you're drafting teams, whether you're drafting resurrection teams, whether you're drafting playoff teams, and most importantly for next off season, when you start drafting these teams, there's going to be guys on ACL injuries. It just happens. Like we're going to see some more this year. It's unfortunate, but understanding what the different ACL injuries are because they are not all created equally and what that timeline path is and all that stuff. That's how you evaluate this going forward. And I think it's going to allow you to make some good decisions going forward. Brees Hall in the fourth round feels like a really good decision right now. The offense isn't good, but he's just an explosive player. Javante Williams and the, when he got moved up over, I mean, no matter where you drafted him, but he got moved up. Because he started playing in preseason games. Mm-hmm. He got moved up a lot. And we were really, really worried about that one. So um I, I think you can I think you can start to assess and learn and, and try to listen to the doctors that actually come on and talk about this stuff and see where you are at and learn how to process information. Learn how to process information. That's my that's my point that I'm making. I'm I'm glad you said that because that's what I was gonna say is look. This this game of best ball, this game of fantasy football is is fun. We all take it very. If you're watching this, you're clearly taking it <laughs> taking it seriously. You're one of the sickos, like all of us. But at the end of the day, we're all going to be constantly wrong about like specific individual player evaluation, right? And I am the king of being wrong about some of my biggest <laughs> takes on uh, yeah, Rashad. <laughs> okay. So let, let's, let's, let's run through it actually really quick. Rashad Penny inactive on game days uh, that I was drafting frequently in the 11th and 12th round. Uh, and when I say frequently, I mean 30 plus percent of the 10th in the 11th and 12th round Damian Harris uh, splitting the secondary 
running back role on the Buffalo Bills has scored a whopping like 12 fantasy points on the season. Uh, drafted him more than the aforementioned Rashad Penny. Rashad Bateman uh, has uh, the uh, Space Jam guys have come down and uh, sucked out his uh, a talent to play wide receiver and given it to uh, someone else for I don't I don't know what reason he has forgotten how to play football. He is a completely useless wide receiver in a wide receiver room that needs lots and lots and lots of help, uh, which we'll get into that game because Jesus Christ, the Ravens are a mess, right? Go to Trey Lance, go to Darrington Evans, go to Gabe Davis last year. Failed miserably in all of these specific like individual player stances that I believe in. But why are we able to continue to do well at Spike Week? Why am I able to still somehow get a bunch of teams to the finals or make money or whatever? It is what Rob just said. It is processing information and adapting to new information. Kyron Williams is one of my highest owned players of the entire slate, right? So I just mentioned like five of my total absolute horrible takes that I'm waving the white flag on. I we we're digging a grave next to me. I'll hop in because they're all those were horrible takes. They suck. I'm an idiot. But it's about continuing to adapt and process that information. All my best teams, Kyron, Puka, Achan, right? Like all this, all these like total slam dunk hits, buying the dip on George Kittle, which was a amazing the awesome fun game to watch last night, right? When Kittle's falling, you buy buying and Kyle Pitts hasn't been awesome, but you buy the dip on Kyle Pitts in the ninth round on DraftKings. You get the the good game yesterday. I have, you know, just like those kinds of things are why we are successful around here. I'm never gonna claim to be the absolute best player evaluator. N- neither of us are or have all the answers or never miss. We're gonna miss all the time. But the whole goal is to be the be the people that are reacting to the information the best. And I think that is what our strength is here, right? Why do every show that we do where the Rams become a, a talking point, somebody says, thank you for getting me on Kyron Williams. Thank you for getting me on Puka Nakua or whatever. It's because it's not because I. I'm not the I'm not the best prospect evaluator or whatever. I'm not any of that. It was just reacting to information. It was like they kind of hate Cam Akers and Kyron's not playing in the preseason. And they liked him last year. And you know, like you said, Daigle mentioned this about him. And it's like, hmm, I feel like we should probably take him in the last right <laughs> in the last round or whatever. You know, it's like little shit. It's just little, little stuff. And I think again, through five weeks, you can't learn a ton about many things but i think we can learn about that kind of stuff and so um to the javante point i'm interested to learn more about that and be able to react better to it in the future because i definitely felt a little naked with the javante thing like i like him and i wanted to target him but i didn't know really how to handle that situation to your point that you probably did a little better than me um i didn't draft him a ton luckily but the whole goal is like information evaluation and market evaluation. And I think that gets lost sometimes. So I just wanted to kind of reiterate that because I do feel like that's a strength that we have here, um, maybe over a lot of other places. Well, the other thing was just to, just to kind of bleed into another game. Do you remember in the offseason we were told we weren't allowed to draft DJ Moore? Do you remember that? 
that was a thing. We were told we can't draft DJ Moore. DJ Moore is going to be garbage. He's not going to. The Bears are never going to be able to throw the football. And evaluating information on this works out perfectly. <laughs> what do the Bears give up for DJ Moore? A lot, right? Like they, they, they traded to get a number one wide receiver. Are they going to trade for DJ Moore and not use him? I mean, look, I'm victory lapping his best game of the season. How maybe it'll be the best game of his entire career, career. <laughs> right? Like, but what's the fun though? What's the fun if we don't do it after that? But, I mean, come on. He but the point days. is, no other receiver even got even got a catch in that game. I don't think. <laughs> I think it was just DJ Moore, Cole Komet, right? And now they had 83 running backs. I think go down with injury Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, you think literally. DJ Moore is not going to be a freaking? <laughs> powerhouse like they're a bad football team that's gonna have to throw the ball that's gonna have to move the ball that are gonna turn it over that it's just gonna be a lot of shootout situations they're gonna suck some weeks but dj Moore, we had to fade dj Moore in the fifth round who the hell were we taking over dj Moore in the fifth round oh I, i'm glad you brought it up because i didn't want to be that guy because i was a little bit of that guy over the summer like pushing back on this whole narrative thing it is what you just said. Um, the I think that the you know process around fading DJ Moore. I and I said this isn't this isn't victory lapping off of the one big game. I would have told you this a couple weeks ago. Hey, he's had yeah. multiple good games. This isn't yeah. this isn't he he didn't just pull a Jamar Chase and frankly Jamar Chase has had good games too. But you know what I mean. He didn't just pull a whoever who had scored zero fantasy points and then had one good. He didn't pull a Dallas Goddard. Okay, he didn't pull a Goddard who scored like (laughs) 10 fantasy points in the first four games and then popped up for 20 this week. He's been good. And the thesis for fading DJ Moore has been spectacularly wrong through five weeks. And so it's one of those process over results type of type of situations. It's the same thing with the if you faded Brees Hall, the process you, you were wrong. It doesn't mean that you were even necessarily wrong in trying out that process, but you ended up wrong, right? My process on Rashad Penny, on Damian Harris, on Rashad Bateman ended up wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to own that. It doesn't mean that you have to completely change everything you do next summer when you draft or whatever, but it is okay to admit we're all wrong about shit constantly. And DJ Moore, everyone who said he was a bad pick was wrong. And I feel incredibly confident in saying that as well, not just from five games, but moving forward. A, the thesis was, remember the Bears' run rate last year, right? The whole thing. They have to regress so many percentage points from that run rate last year. It was like, that's not how this works. You don't, like, the team doesn't come in and say, we ran the ball 64% of the time last year. How many times do we want to run it this year? Should we move it to 55 or what? Like you have to stop anchoring to last season in a, with different players on the offense, with different coaches, with players getting better with a bad team. They were bad last year. They're bad this year too, but they, they were bad. Do you think that they said, let's replicate what we did last year? (laughs) 
We had the first overall pick in yeah. the NFL draft. Let's do that shit again. Cause that worked so fucking well, <laughs> you know, like why do we in fantasy get so tied to yeah. that one year thing? It's like, no, you need to start at like league averages and say, assume every team is going to do the league average thing. And then you work off the information that you have. You say, okay, I know the chiefs, right? I, I have a, pretty strong foundation of what the chiefs are going to do from a pass rate run rate perspective or whatever. And like you, we didn't have that much information on the bears and then we didn't have any information on the bears with DJ Moore. We had the, we had fields and Mooney and a few games of Claypool. Like we didn't have any information. We have a lot of information that DJ Moore is hashtag good at football. He's good at the game. We know he's good. And so Eight for 230 and three is not going to happen probably ever again in his career. But I, he's good. He's good at football. They're not going to run the ball 80% of the time. It was, it was one of the flaws we have in fantasy football. I look, I got plenty of flaws. Look at, like I said, look at Rashad Penny. I'm willing to buy the hype on some guys and I, I lose sometimes that way doing that. But we in fantasy football sometimes also do the opposite of, being like, look at last year. We can't, you, you can't possibly buy this hype on this DJ Moore guy, right? Like, how could you ever do that? Did you see how much the Bears ran last year? It's like, guys, that's that's not the end all be all. You know, there's so much nuance to all of this. Like, look at Mark Andrews a couple of years ago. The Ravens were historically run heavy, more so than the Bears for multiple years and had the same OC and had the same personnel. And then guess what? fucking chaos lamar gets hurt the defense gets hurt everything goes goes awry and mark andrews breaks fantasy you just i just they are one of the biggest lessons so far this year i think the bears no matter how it goes the rest of the way i feel very confident that we you know assess that one in a in a pretty good manner and didn't buy into the whole projection spreadsheet nonsense yeah and i think even stuff that where we didn't hit on right has the chance to still work itself out the flip side of that because that was my range right there was the dj moore drake london terry mclaurin range i think everyone remembers that was like my three guys in that spot and i usually wanted to try to get two of them and the mclaurin stuff doesn't look great right now based on the way it's going it's not it's not terrible but it's not great based on target share stuff and everything and I think that's going to fix itself. I think the enemy is going to have to look at this offense going forward and realize that he has to target these, these guys a little bit more. He ain't in Kansas city with Justin Watson and MBS anymore. He has some <laughs> real players on this team. And, and Logan gonna... Thomas is not Travis Kelsey. Like right. my Logan Thomas bags appreciate the 12 targets or whatever, <laughs> but that's probably not the best way to operate an NFL offense is uh, right. running it through Logan Thomas and Brian Robinson. You're right, and I think that's going to get reassessed. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. We're not going to hit on everybody to your point. But understanding how to evaluate some of the stuff that we're going to get wrong. We all got shit wrong. It's going to happen. But I think there are some – like the DJ Moore one is to me is glaring. Like it was just like always going to be – even if even if they didn't pass a lot more, he was still going to get his targets because he's DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney's the other guy on the team. Exactly. Right. It was okay. Like, why why was it okay to draft Brandon Cooks in the fifth round last year? Right? No one said sh no one said boo about Brandon. Everybody said you can't draft Gabe Davis. 
mm-hmm. in the fourth round or whatever last year. Everybody said it's fine to draft Brandon Cooks. It's fine to draft Allen fucking Robinson, who's barely in the NFL anymore, wasting away on the Steelers. We, But we can't draft DJ Moore like in the prime of his career with no target competition. It's like, I, I just feel like sometimes we, it's not, it, I don't, I don't want it to sound like super negative, but we, we, we get out over all like it's fancy play syndrome. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of fancy play syndrome with guys. DJ Moore is a star by all intents and purposes, all the metrics playing in Carolina with the biggest joke of a, a franchise. And they're still a joke that we're seeing now. We'll talk about them probably here in a minute. Like a joke of a franchise has been awesome for fantasy and basically pay, paid off his draft cost. Despite like a, that offense in Carolina and better target competition. Now we're also not even seeing Justin Fields. Maybe we are starting to see Justin Fields take a leap, but the other part of his draft cost is a, is ceiling especially in in best ball, you don't just draft for your expected production, right? Then it would be an easy game. Deontay Johnson fucking sign me up in every draft, right? Because I know I'm going to get, I know I'm going to get my 12 points a game or whatever, but like, it's not just about that. It's about trying to find league winners and guys who can really win you tons of money. If fields took a leap and you bring DJ Moore in and the whole offense takes a leap, it's like, I don't know why, why can't fields be the guy going with Hertz and, and Allen and all that kind of stuff at that two, three turn. And why can't DJ Moore be that second round pick next year? Like, I'm not saying that's likely, but I'm saying that was in the range of outcomes. And we just ignored that because like the bears run too much, you know, the, the bears run too much. And, it, and I just think it was, it was a miss by the whole space. And I'm, I'm not saying I, like have a hundred percent of, of either of these guys. Of course. I mean, I was a more of a late round quarterback guy anyway, but I, 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 I got receipts. I got, I got, I got receipts of uh, uh look at Eric Blindfor's, uh DJ Moore exposure. What a dummy or whatever. And it, it, you know, it is what it is, what it is. I got lots of bad picks in my exposure, in my exposure. But I think that um from a process perspective, I feel, I feel like sometimes we miss, we miss the forest for the trees. You know, we cut our, we cut our nose off to spite our face, all the stupid cliches and TJ Moore's probably one of those where we got really, really, really anchored to last year with the bears. When like Jerry Judy was going in the late third, did we not watch the Broncos last year? Like, why was that? Okay. Yeah. But, DJ Moore, the Jerry Judy but, one. but DJ Moore at the four or five turn was bad. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things. It's not just, oh, was he a good pick or a bad pick? It's like, yeah, but like, look at everything else. Look, look like, why, why I were all these Cooper in the late third, just like standard practice, but DJ Moore at the four or five turn was bad. Like, you know, you know, so it's, it's all of that, that, that comes into play in this conversation. Yeah, I think there's a lot of examples of it, and we'll get into them throughout the season. Same guys that were telling us not to draft DJ Moore were saying to draft Antonio Gibson over Brian Robinson, that type of stuff. <laughs> and the happening. same guys, and the same guys who were drafting DJ Moore were fading Adam Thielen to the point of somebody in the the chat, and that was me. And I do want to talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah, because, I was fading Thielen too, uh, which is I bad think, process. I think. I think it's interesting. I'm 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 really interested to see how Thielen plays out over the course of the season because what I will say is he's better as a real life football player than I gave him credit for and what I don't know what the fuck happened in Minnesota the last the last 2 years because I I think just eye test hand in the dirt he looks pretty good 
actually um as an nf he's not a star he's not you know making a ton of big plays but as like a facilitator a veteran guy who can help you move the chains and get open he looks good and he has not done that in minnesota the last couple of seasons so i was wrong about that assessment with him but i am this is also maybe the worst team in the nfl uh carolina well that's why i wasn't drafting him because i was scared of the team the thesis was not it's 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 the shitty Devonte Adams thesis that you mentioned. This isn't just like no one said Adam Thielen wasn't going to get targets to start the year and like probably put up some usable weeks. Now he's dunking on what I thought his ceiling was yeah. like not even fucking close. This is crazy. So like mm-hmm. shout out to you if you did draft him. I will hold that L. But the thesis was also a long, like if he's still doing this in week 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, if he's still doing this, then like I'll really hold my L, but I'm interested to see if that continues. Cause I would be pretty shocked if it does. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what that team does throughout the rest of the year altogether. They don't feel like they're getting better. Thielen is like the exception <laughs> on that team right now of anyone doing anything. I know Chark got a touchdown on Sunday. But I think you got to start. But they're already chirping that they want a number one wide receiver. So they don't even view Adam Thielen as a number one wide receiver to to that point that we're making. They're going to trade for one? You just traded away DJ Moore, you idiots. What are we talking (laughs) about here? What is this team? That's my favorite. That is my absolute favorite. When they came out and said, we need to trade for an elite number one wide receiver. You just traded up to get the worst first round pick quarterback out of the entire group. Look how good CJ Stroud is. Look at, I know Richardson's hurt, but look at Anthony Richardson. They both look better than uh, uh, mighty mouse Bryce young. So you traded up to get the worst quarterback. And in doing that, you traded the elite number one wide receiver that you say you now need. Then you had cap space, right? So even if we say, look, DJ Moore wasn't a long-term fit or whatever, that's fine. You spent your cap space on Miles Sanders and fucking Adam Thielen. And you drafted Jonathan Mingo. Tank Dell was on the board. Josh Downs is on the board. Rashi Rice, I believe, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. But, like, there were other better – like, you bungled this thing from, from Jump Street. The whole, the whole deal from the Panthers has been mismanaged. And that's why I – like, how does this get better? Like – explain to me specifically how the Panthers offense gets better. Defense gets better. Like the defense, JC horns hurt. like uh, Shaq Thompson is hurt on the defense. I kind of like their defensive talent, but they're injured again for the second year in a row. And like, what are you going to do? Give miles Sanders the ball more, throw it to Jonathan Mingo more like what? <laughs> like, how is this improved? Hayden Hurst? You got Hayden Hurst. Is that going to help? Like I, it's bad. You traded CMC and you traded DJ Moore and your game got plan what? older. You went older at running back <laughs> with Miles Sanders. And if he's not older than CMC, he sure as fuck acts older than CMC. <laughs> and you went Adam Thielen, who's been great. Like we said, he's been fine. But if I told you you could have DJ Moore or Adam Thielen, who are you taking? I should fucking hope DJ, <laughs> DJ Moore. If you say Adam Thielen, like this is not the show for you because you're just wrong. And that I just uh, I don't understand their organization as a whole. Like it just it it just it is, and I know like that's kind of short term 
for their roster. It's not like they're looking at Thielen for the next 10 years or Miles Sanders for the next five minutes at all by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. Because God, is he bad? He's so <laughs> bad. <laughs> That's the other thing. So this is something uh, uh, I have mentioned in the being serious for a second with like, why do we ever like, why do we not get so down in the dumps over like individual player takes that fail is because of the process over results thing. And so like these, some of these upside swings or some of these uh, things that we do in our best ball portfolio over the summer are process related and they lead you, sometimes the L's can lead you to the W's, right? So b- having a process that leads you to certain players who actually do end up failing can also lead you to players in the same archetype who end up being hits. The opposite is also true, right? F- when, when you are a player who fades the types of, at, right? You fade Adam Thielen, you're like, but you're fading a cohort of players that are like Adam Brandon Cooks. You, you fade Brandon Cooks. You fade Juju Smith-Schuster. You fade his teammate, Miles Sanders, right? You fade Tyler Boyd. You fade all of these guys who are hor- – like what are they, these guys doing for your fantasy teams, right? You take Puka and Tank Dell and Kyron Williams, and right? And you have misses, of course. Like I said, I have t- – massive huge 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 misses in the portfolio but it kind of all nets itself out at the end and i think that's the thing that gets lost is like these idiots said don't draft adam thielen it's like yeah but we said don't draft thielen and juju and and you know like you said brandon cooks and all of these guys Allen robinson and we said to not draft all of these guys it it wasn't an assumption that none of them would ever hit it was an assumption that I don't want to bet on that type of player, right? I don't, I don't want to bet on Miles Sanders. I don't want to bet on Najee Harris. I don't like. Is it possible that one of them hits? Of course, absolutely. But it's all sorry to cut you off, but it's also more likely that if they do hit, it's early and not late. So yes, I'll let 100%. you continue. Right, that's another part of that bet. Right, It's like if I'm gonna lose, I'm cool losing in the first eight weeks. I don't want to lose in week seventeen. And so if I'm gonna bet on the player that can bury me like, like Adam Thielen is burying me. He's more likely to do it now than he is likely to do it later. And so that like cohort archetype type analysis is like so underrated in the whole space where everybody tries to dig in. Everybody tries to have a take about every single individual player. And it's like, sometimes you're better off. Look, you're going to lose on players. And so if you, if you can lump all those dusty ass old wide receivers, you're, there are going to be guys in there that are not dusty that that produced like adam thielen but like it's kind of worth it right to win would you would you would you rather be undefeated and try to try to be undefeated every summer or win 80 percent of your games and know you're going to win 80 percent of your games it's like just sign me up for the winning 80 percent thing and making right. the playoffs and not worry about you know being perfect and like you're going to have the l's with thielen but i'm going to win 80 percent because i faded juju and all those other fucking guys right and so um that's a big thing I, I I will say probably a million times over the course of the next six and Thielen drafters weren't taking HN. Like that's just the type of right. drafters that they're you took because they, they went robust. You took yeah. fucking Jeff Wilson or you took Chubb and Derrick Henry, right? With that. Yeah. So it's a great point. It's it, so it just it's which is is a flaw on our side too. 
and we've addressed this before where we get so player driven and it actually hurts our constructions a little bit and trying to, to fix that. It's a whole thing. I don't want to get into right at this minute, but it, it is something to be cognizant of when you're drafting these player groups and maybe thinking outside the box a little bit, but sometimes the box is the box for a reason. And yeah. if you gave me a box of 20 toys for my kids and which I don't have, but if you did and only one of the toys was good, I'm still going to think you're an asshole. Right? <laughs> like, so, so like, like, what are you, what is this? What are you doing? Right. 19 of these things are broken. You gave me one good toy. Thanks. I guess. Right. That's it's the Josh Jacobs thesis of last year. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, we've discussed that ad nauseum where, especially when he really, really started to fall, he became a really good pick, but like victory lapping fourth round, Josh Jacobs is like, yeah, but you drafted Najee this year. You drafted Miles Sanders this year is like, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where this game is so funny in that you have, you, you, you have to, understand you're going to be wrong constantly and you actually have to go into every year knowing you're going to be wrong about lots of things and so knowing that how do you approach it now right it's like how do i approach this this gambling venture knowing i'm going to be wrong about things because i I know i'm going to be wrong but i still got to beat hundreds of thousands of other of other teams and it's like if i'm going to be wrong what do i want to be the most what, what am I comfortable being the most wrong about Adam Thielen or Brees Hall? <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? Like Adam Thielen or Tank Dell. Like I would much rather be wrong about Adam Thielen than Tank Dell. Would you rather be wrong about right? Uh, Adam Thielen or Puka Nakua? Who would you rather have? I would rather have Puka on my teams than, right. than Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen is producing like a monster. But anyway, that that's the, that's the whole thing. I like this uh, comment from Updog. It's like when Clayton Toon leads you to to Tank Dell, the uh, the Toons, the 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 self proclaimed Toon Squad in our uh, our our Discord is uh, uh, struggling a little bit because Josh Dobbs came in and has stolen the Clayton Toon Thunder. But Clayton Toon, uh, for those that don't know, played with Tank Dell at Houston in college, and I think Tank Dell is the reason why Tank Dell was so good in college. Not so much. Uh, uh, Clayton tune, but, um, a couple other quick things I do just want to, uh, touch on before we get out of here, Anthony Richardson, uh, injury looks like possible IR. They haven't mentioned that mentioned exactly what's going to happen with him, but, um, a, he needs to learn to stop taking hits and, and, and slide and, and stop taking meaningless contact on, I know his first injury was a, a touchdown run, so I can't really get too upset, but this one was a, a two yard run where he tried to run somebody over that I don't think he needs to be doing, uh, but be uh, bad for your AR teams, but actually probably good for your Josh Downs, Michael Pittman um, and such teams. And I think the Colts are pretty interesting with JT. Good back for your Jonathan too. Taylor teams. Zach Moss Probably. is not good for your Jonathan Taylor team. No. Like Jesus, <laughs> uh, the, the AR stuff. I wasn't drafting him. I actually looked to see what I had him at in Best Ball Mania today, two percent or something like that. I, I had have my concerns. Almost none. It. Sorry, sorry. I just want to say I have almost none, and he was on my best weekly winners team. Uh, Chase, DJ Moore, 
Pickens, oh. like all, like just all these absolute smashes, and it was a solo Anthony Richardson team, which tells oh. you about how brutal weekly winners can be sometimes. Yeah, I'm not victory lapping. It's just I get more concerned with the quarterbacks that run that take contact because their careers hit a wall. Josh Allen is going to hit a wall in the next couple of years. Like it might be four years, it might be five years. He's bigger too. He like he is literally Cam Newton, but you saw it with Cam Newton. Cam Newton is the epitome of the running quarterback that took contact that constantly was injured a lot throughout his career. That he hit a goddamn wall, and it was, it was, he couldn't throw the football anymore. He literally couldn't throw the football anymore. Right? We saw Peyton Manning hit a wall. He couldn't throw the football anymore, but that was much different. That's a coming off like a ridiculous neck surgery and he was in the league for 40 years as well the the ar thing concerns me because he's already gotten injured twice and i don't know if he's gonna learn like we're gonna see if he starts sliding and stuff i don't know if he can flop if he can flip his game i don't know if he can run like kyler it's not natural that's the thing it's not you have to learn it like like i mean kyler play it sounds really cheesy or whatever, but Kyler did play baseball and he's, he's like 170 pounds. So right. he, he, he learned a little bit quicker than the average person, but it does take time. And we just talked about Tua. Tua had to learn in a different way. Not, I mean, of course, sliding too, but had to learn like, nobody stop holding onto the ball. Just throw it. Like, honestly, a fucking interception is better in the regular season than you getting smoked in the head and holding the ball. Like it's hard. It's, it's, it's so much harder than people think. But you, they have to learn. Like you said, Josh Allen has to learn. He has to learn because they, they, he is obviously the fulcrum of everything that they do. He has to learn. And AR is going to be the – he is the future in Indianapolis. If, he, if he's only going to play eight games a year, well, he's useless to this team. He has to learn. And it, it's, it takes time. I mean, he's young. he's a young kid. He's played football a long time, and he's just been the biggest, baddest dude on the field, even in the fucking SEC. So it, it takes time, but he's got to learn. You're in the NFL now, and I do remember him taking another hit earlier in the year that he went down hard on his shoulder as well. And it's just like, dude, you cannot. You cannot be taking these hits onto your right shoulder like that. It's, it's like, just... it's like, and that's the thing. It's like always the shoulder for the quarterbacks mm-hmm. because of how you go down. You know, you almost always go down shoulder first when you go down and then you're running a lot of the times in these tight confined spaces. And so it, it, it is like almost always shoulder stuff, right? You constantly see quarterbacks getting shoulder injuries, which is also the worst fucking thing when it, when it's your throwing shoulder, like that's yeah. very, very bad. I'm not saying it's, not worse than head injuries but you know what i mean like in terms of bouncing back it's it's tough it's it's very yeah and i'm rooting for him i like him i love watching him play i mean i'm not gonna anti-sweat him just because i have no anthony richardson bags that's just not who i am but he's gotta he's gotta learn to play smarter and he's young so hopefully he does what do you think about uh the zach moss performance in terms of jt um selfishly my best team on drafters has JT some fucking how I don't know how that's even possible, <laughs> but uh, I'm in 14th on drafters in the $20 and the, the their milli or whatever with the JT team. And so I'm trying to be logical <laughs> about, about the Colts and uh, certainly Zach Moss going 23 for 165 <laughs> and two touchdowns on the Titans with another 30 yards, receiving 200 totally yards <laughs> against the Titans. When JT came back is not making me feel better about JT, but how are you kind of thinking about that backfield? 
I don't know, dude, because JT has to perform well for multiple reasons. This is this is big brain thinking. He just actually got a contract for a running back, which just doesn't happen anymore. And if he doesn't perform, he is killing the value to all running back contracts going forward. That is a great point that I have you not know, thought about. You know what I mean? So, like, if he goes out there and, and Darren Waller's it and just phones it in. Like, Saquon, Saquon is calling him like, motherfucker, Zach Moss just ran for 165 <laughs> yards. Get your ass out there, please. So he, if he cares about, like, the future of the position, and these guys do sometimes. Some of these guys, they want to make sure that there are other people that play their spot. Like, hell, we have the tight end university every year where all the tight ends get yep. together, jerk each other off in Kansas City or wherever it is. <laughs> And, you know, so these running backs, they, they need to band together. If I was any running back, if I was Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, hell, if I'm CMC, I'm calling and being like, do you see what I'm doing for these 49ers? I was dead last night and I kept playing. So you need to make sure that your ass is out there and you're outperforming Zach Moss, who makes $14 an hour. Like, what are we doing here? You know, so... That's where I'm at with it. I think Jonathan Taylor has to perform, so we'll see. I also think the Colts have to – you don't give a running back that – you know, especially after the hoopla that we just had in Indianapolis, the owner shitting on him on Twitter and <laughs> in interviews and, you know, JT walking around like a grandpa in camp and, like, the whole thing was just a mess. And so we see this a lot with – uh Sports franchises also, not just uh, with running backs or with contracts or whatever, but right, like the first round pick gets way more chances than the sixth round pick gets. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like Rashi Rice is going to get more chances than Justin Watson is, and then that, and I know Justin Watson's getting more chances right now, but like Justin Watson will get cut, right? Or Justin Ross, I should say, Justin Ross will get cut way quicker than Rushy Rice will get cut because one was a second round pick and one was an undrafted free agent. And that's just how it goes. And when you pay, right? Because these guys jobs are dependent mm -hmm. upon like it, you just paid a running back $42 million. Like he better be good. So if he's not playing and Zach Moss is playing, uh, what did we just give him all this money for? And so I think he'll be fine, but um, it's a concern. I think, I think it's a real, at least short term. It's a real concern. Cause like, Dude, we're five weeks in, and Zach Moss just keeps balling. And like, I, I didn't see this coming with Zach Moss. Um, uh, certainly, I did not see this coming with Zach Moss. Hacker letting me know that uh, I clearly did not see it coming because I have the best JT team on all of drafters, which is going to be really great when I go to the bank to deposit my Sklansky bucks uh, when JT does fucking nothing all 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 <laughs> season. Like, congratulations, you have the the best Jonathan Taylor team on draft on drafters. Here's six. The eighth place or whatever you know what i mean uh same thing with this nobody has olave either congratulations you have the best chris olave team the saints fucking suck on offense like you <laughs> congratulations but um uh yeah i i think the colts are going to be interesting at least i wanted to bring them up because i do think that's yeah think they, that's they gotta ramp his workload up over the next few weeks i don't think he's gonna go out and get 80 touches especially because now they're gonna they know they don't have to give him you know, yeah. eighty to ninety percent of the touches next week. So they're gonna they're gonna slowly work his touches up. They're gonna wait for the Zach Moss game where he fails, which will probably be soon, and then yeah. they'll turn it to the Jonathan Taylor.
And to this, do you think the uh, Ann's comedy says, do you think the Colts would want to give him more touches after paying him a hundred percent? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They know they, they just, they just paid for the rest of the tread on his tires is what happened. Yep. Like they, yep. they're like, we are going to ride these tires bald now because we, we got the warranty on them and we're going to make sure that we use them for the next three years. And when we bring those motherfuckers to the junkyard, if anyone else puts them on their car, it ain't going to work too well. So that's what they're going to do with Jonathan Taylor. That is the true. They, they, they went, they, they went to Best Buy. And when you checked out, they, 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 they would you like to buy the warranty on this, uh, you know, iPod that you got or whatever? Absolutely. I would love to buy the warranty on this iPod. It's like they downloaded fucking, the, so many songs illegally from LimeWire onto that iPod, and they and they they were running that shit right into the ground, like you said. Um, I just wanted uh, just a couple other quick things. Uh, we talked. You mentioned uh, Brees briefly, and I do just want to say that uh, as a Brees stand, that was really really fun. That was a very fun moment of of Week Five. Brees doing Brees things, but. 25 touches, I think, is the most notable thing, even more so than the 200 yards is more notable um, because, you know, they told us that the training wheels were off, but the training wheels were very much off. Dalvin is a a very much an ancillary player. Michael Carter is long down in distance, uh, third down player. So that kind of sucks, but Brees is not out of the passing game. He's not going to get the Broncos every week, every week right, who are right. just a joke, an absolute joke of a run defense. But, you know, uh, good things are coming for Brees. He's got a, a a good amount of good matchups coming up really quickly. I just want to pull pull it up. Eagles this week is not good. But then Giants, Chargers, Raiders, Bills, Dolphins, Falcons, Texans. So, like, if you have yeah. Brees, I'd feel I'd feel very, very good. And if you don't have Brees and you have a fantasy team, buy him when he fails next week. Yeah, and load up. For if him. you want to get in on the Brees sweepstakes <laughs> on a season-long team, you are going to have the next day, seven days to do so because, uh, uh, well, actually, not the next seven days. I'm sure now is not a good time to buy, but you have like a two or three day buying window because I don't think he's going to go nuts against the Eagles, but. Um, great things, great things are coming. Then the only other thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here is last night's game, the yeah. uh, Sunday night Sunday night football game, where my God, the 49ers just destroyed the Cowboys, and I think the fraudulent Cowboys got exposed a little bit. They already got exposed a bit against the the Cardinals, where when their defense doesn't score two touchdowns, they uh, struggle a little bit and. Um, I'm, I'm a bit worried about, about the Cowboys from a fantasy angle. You know, it's easy to keep saying, yeah, but Tony Pollard's workload is great. And yeah, but Gallup looks good. And yeah, CD's target share is great. And, and Ferguson, like all that looks good, but they're like, at a certain point you do have to put it together and the schedule is not awesome for them. And I, I, I don't know. How are you, how are you feeling about the Cowboys? I think it's it, it, the, the 49ers did what the 49ers do. I feel great about them. Nothing has really changed, but how do you feel about the Cowboys? Cause I do feel like it's, it's a little concerning now. I mean, we're five weeks in and we're not seeing a lot here. Well, much like the Bengals this past week, the Cowboys do get the get right game coming up this following week where they're playing the chargers on Monday night, I believe. 
So this right. is the get right game. This is the show us you can do it game. Chargers have a good offense. They can hang. Cowboys defense is beat up. The offense has to show that they can do it. And this is the game they have to show that. The Bengals had to show it against Arizona. Cowboys have to show it against the Chargers. If the Cowboys offense doesn't do anything against the Chargers team, then I'm panicking. Yeah. Because that that is that is the crux of the season for them, in my opinion. So we'll see what they do um, on Monday night. Other side of the ball, we talked like really quickly about Brock Purdy, and I saw this comment earlier. Forgive me, I can't remember who it was. Comparing Brock Purdy and Mac Jones, and if they flip-flopped, would Mac Jones be doing what Brock Purdy's doing? The answer is no. And I was not a big Brock Purdy believer in the beginning, and then I was even more concerned with him based on the injury this year in the beginning of the season. Like, that really concerned me. He blew out his elbow. Yeah. (laughs) He had Tommy John. He didn't end up getting Tommy John, but he basically blew out his UCL. Like, pitchers miss a year in – baseball for doing that and he is basically a pitcher that plays football right the reason why him and mac jones are not the same is because and everyone's gonna say i'm jumping to conclusions but hear me out since tom brady came into the league i don't know if i've seen another quarterback with field awareness as much as brock purdy at a young age this dude he's calm in the pocket and now also, I'm going to caveat it real quick. Obviously, he has one of the best offenses in the league with one of the best offensive-minded head coaches. That helps. But his ability to see the field, I think, is unlike any other young quarterback anytime recently. This dude knows how to go through his progressions. He knows where people are going to be on the field. He can read the he can clearly read defenses better than most young quarterbacks. He is a prodigy for that reason. I think he's going to be able to, even when he doesn't have these weapons, I think he can down throttle. He's going to be able to, if he has like a, a defense sort of like Brady did in the beginning, where he could just play to the strength of the team, manage the game, or he can chuck it downfield if he needs to. I did not see myself saying this coming into the season. Dude, Brock Purdy is really good. He is a really, 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 really good NFL quarterback. And that is what scares me the most about the 49ers if you're playing that team because this dude just sees the field. And there was nothing more evident than watching that game last night. He could read that defense that is supposed to be one of the elite defenses, and I know they have injuries. But, dude, he just picked them apart last night, and there's just no other quarterback that's really doing something like that anymore. That shit was free money for Brock Purdy last night uh, against, uh, like you said, what is supposed to be a top-level defense it was effortless um and i I totally agree so talked a little bit about this in the discord again uh make sure you're in the spike week discord link in the description uh last night but i i think that it's funny because i think that last year the purdy hype was actually a little bit too much i think that he was a lot more of um a guy who benefited from his circumstance last season so when he comes on of course they get christian mccaffrey they have debo and Ayuk and kittle and shanahan and a great offensive line and all that kind of stuff and honestly he made a lot of bad throws that didn't happen to get like intercepted or whatever and he was okay i think it was just that 
he was so much better than Trey Lance uh, that we we got excited in the national media got excited for him we all got excited for him but I don't I actually don't think he was awesome last year but like that's also to be expected from Mr. Irrelevant rookie from Iowa State right it, it's understandable it's not a knock on him but I do think we got a little out over our skis with uh, a Purdy last season in terms of thinking how good he was so I was you know like being a little cautious coming into this year, as you said, because he fucking blew out his elbow yeah. in the, in January or whatever. Like this wasn't like, it's what it seems like a sure thing now, but it really, it, it really wasn't. No, the injury most, was very scary. Like the, we actually didn't know if he had played this year at, at multiple points throughout. Like it took a while to figure out exactly what was going to be the deal with Purdy. So anyway, we fast forward to the, to this season. And as, as you just outlined, I have, I've, I've completely come full circle. I was being a little bit of a skeptic because of what I watched last season. And of course it's easy to be a skeptic, right? It's like, it's the opposite of Mahomes. It's like easy to be a skeptic of a guy who has Kyle Shanahan calling the plays an amazing defense, fucking Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Like, are you kidding me? It's like he's he's playing for the Monstars. It's like oh, I should hope he's he's putting up, you know, uh, completing some balls. Like Jimmy Garoppolo did it, C.J. Beathard did it, Nick Mullins did it. The only loser that didn't do it was Trey Lance, the guy who I drafted uh, on all my best ball teams. <laughs> but like, it's it's, it's un- I think it's totally logical to be skeptical. That being said, coming into this season. What he has done for five weeks, I think I totally agree with you. One thing, I guess I will say, not caveat, it's the perfect marriage of player yeah. and system and, of course, surrounding skill talent. But he, they mentioned it on the broadcast last night that Purdy said, like in an interview with Collinsworth or something, he was like, I know I'm not the – I don't have the strongest arm. I know I'm not the most athletic or whatever, but I'm going to do the things – that you know will help us win i'm going to be accurate i'm going to get the ball out i'm going to get the ball to my guys i'm going to make the right reads all that kind of stuff and he has really elevated his game in my opinion in that regard and uh i love the late mike leach did an interview that is still my favorite like one of my favorite football pieces of content ever but around quarterback play you know basically one of the air raid kings was mike leach and he said uh that you know, he always had these like vagabond quarterbacks, right? He had these great, they scored 40, 50 points a game in college, and he had these like one star quarterbacks. And they were, but it was because they were 5'10, 180 pounds, not that athletic, whatever. And he was like, they were always like, what's your like quarterback evaluation process? And Purdy is the like perfect example of this to me that was like, he said, I really don't care about anything except decision making and accuracy it's like all the rest of the stuff is just like you know extra like fun that, that that's great that's a bonus it's a bonus if you're big it's a bonus if you're fast it's a bonus if you have a strong arm but the only thing that matters for quarterback play is making good decisions and throwing the ball accurately and brock purdy is that dude he makes good decisions and he puts the ball on the money and he gets the ball to his to his wide receivers he's not josh allen ripping at 80 yards in the wind he's not you know, Patrick Mahomes running around, throwing the ball sidearm and all over the place, but he makes good decisions and he throws the ball accurately. And sometimes that is all the shit that matters. Right. And like, like that's Joe Burrow. Honestly, but, that, but that's, that, that, 
Sorry, yeah. but th that's yeah. why people will it'll take longer for people to get on Brock Purdy. Yep. It's the same reason why people like still have trouble naming Brady like one of the top quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, because it's an immeasurable talent, right? Like you can't measure how good a quarterback reads a defense. He just either really can or the really best, can't. Peyton Manning as well. The best quarterbacks of all time are that. They are yeah. that. They they are the ones that can read the defense. They can go through their progressions. They know where their players are supposed to be. And you just can't measure that shit. Like you just don't measure it. And because you can't measure it, it takes people longer to come around on them. And some people will never come around on it because they didn't run a four, four forty because they're not six foot three, 210 pounds. So you're going to see Purdy still get, and I didn't come around to him until, you know, the last few no, games. Me neither. Right. Like, cause I just, I didn't know what they saw in him. And then if you watch him play, you got to, you'll see it. Like, trust me, go back, watch that Dallas game. He's not going to do it every week. And to go back to the Mac Jones point, Mac Jones would have been better in San Francisco. Right. But he wouldn't be Purdy because Mac Jones does not make the same decisions. And we knew what Mac Jones was coming out of college. Mac Jones was already at his peak. We already knew what Mac Jones was. And I've never seen a guy get hated so much in New England. We'll talk about that tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> as Mac Jones. But Brock Purdy is just a very, very smart quarterback. You're always going to feel a little uncomfortable drafting him or playing him in DFS because you're like, well, why do I like him? He can't run, really. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the NFL. He's just fucking smart. He's just fucking smart. Draft him because he's a quarterback and he's really smart. He knows how to read the defense. He slows the whole game down and he knows where to go with the ball. That's, that's my little rant on Brock Purdy. I agree. I had my rant. You had your rant. That's going to do it. Everybody go enjoy Monday Night Football as much as you can. Packers, Raiders, Jesus Christ. Can we get some better Can we get some better primetime games? But go enjoy Monday Night Football. This was Monday Night Best Ball. We'll be back tomorrow. Spike Week sickos every Tuesday night where we're going to start to break down the next week. We'll get into that. Is Mac Jones going to get benched again? Is he actually even going to start? Is Bailey Zappi going to play? Who the hell knows? We'll get into all that. Hopefully, we'll get a little more news on some of the injuries and start to look ahead to next week. And to one of the comments in the chat, no, we will, we we will be. <laughs> so to the Brock Purdy is primetime Matt Ryan. Fucking no. <laughs> we are the uh, abducted. We are the Purdy slappies now. We went from the Trey Lance slappy. I let me tell you what. It feels far better to be the Purdy slappies than to be the Trey Lance slappies. That felt real bad. This feels a lot better than that. But we'll get into week six tomorrow. And yes, we will start to get into resurrections and in-season DraftKings drafts and in-season drafters drafts. We got all that coming. Also some NBA stuff. Everything is – best ball season never dies, but it's also picking up a lot now that we've reached October. It's spooky season. We'll be back tomorrow. See you guys in 24 hours. Peace. Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on. We draft a team. Boom. You know about it. We have another spicy take. Boom. You know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date. That's how you do it. All right. We'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.